Hello, Marketeers. Welcome to another episode of AEC Marketeer Podcast, exploring AEC marketing and beyond. I'm your host, Keelan Cox, and I'll be exploring marketing trends and answering your most pressing questions to help you thrive as an AEC Marketeer. All right, Marketeers, thank you for joining me. Today I have on Ann Liner. She's the President and Chief Connection Officer at Stacy and Associates for 30 years and has facilitated capital projects that have changed the face of communications and institutions. After leading business development efforts for design and construction firms, she founded Stacy and Associates Consultancy in 2004 to assist AEC industry professionals in their pursuit of new and expanded business opportunities. Welcome, Anne. Well, hello, good afternoon. (laughs) I appreciate you having me on today. Absolutely. So before we get into what I brought you on here to talk about, which is A3 proposals, I'm curious to know how you got started in this industry. What's your story? Well, as is true of several AEC professionals, sometimes it's a a circuitous path. Basically, I was working in economic and community development, and I was doing some community visioning with some communities here in Pennsylvania. And one of the things that, you know, they always say is a picture's worth a thousand words. So in taking a look at some of the capital projects that were deemed to be potential wish list items for some of these community economic development efforts, I'd actually turned to a local architect and said, can you do a rendering or can you provide me with some sort of a drawing of this concept so that we can use it for capital fundraising? Hmm. Not unlike what you know, many of us do every day. So I started to work with this architectural firm periodically and they finally said, hey, we could use somebody like you on the front end. And they offered me a job. And I said, okay, well, this is interesting. I've never done anything for this particular industry. That was in 1999 and I'm still here. And with the only twist that eventually, I think after working for different AEC firms, I came to the conclusion that I really didn't want to have to filter everything I was doing through just one employer. And I wanted to sort of do some matchmaking make connections between the design and construction professionals who would best serve the needs of an owner, regardless of whether or not they were paying me. So that's when I started Stacy and Associates about 11 years ago. Perfect. Okay. So to get this kicked off, I think the most important question to answer is what is an A3 proposal? Well, A3 is basically an 11 by 17 inch piece of paper. It's a metric designation. So it's a little bit of that metric versus the English way of measuring, but fundamentally and functionally, it's what we would call an 11 by 17. And that paper is often used in a process called lean. Lean is somewhat of an outgrowth of Back when Toyota was recasting itself and creating a bigger emphasis on quality and process improvement, they had developed this concept of using this A3, this 11 by 17 inch piece of paper as a decision-making tool. And starting off in the upper left-hand corner, you start with 
the current state of affairs and you work your way across that paper in a Z-like format so that the lower right-hand corner is where you identify either your solution to the problem you're trying to solve or the, the factors that make up the decision. So it's really the moniker is sort of based on this piece of paper, but the thinking behind an A3 proposal is based in lean concepts of providing information simply and concisely so that you could literally solve a problem on a single sheet of paper. And then the extrapolation to the proposal is you can literally submit a proposal for a designer construction job on a single piece of paper. Got it, okay. So from when you first saw the request for an A3 proposal to now, how much growth have you seen in this format? I won't say that it's been overwhelming or aggressive. I probably saw my first RFP requesting an A3 response about eight years ago. Okay. And of course I was like, what? You know, how in the world do you shrink 20 to 30 pages of information onto one or two pieces of paper, even if they are big pieces of paper. Right. But the growth has come, again, as an extension of some institutional owners who have adopted lean principles and lean construction techniques as part of their operations. So you saw it start in higher ed and healthcare. And that those are really the two vertical markets where you've seen the increase in the use of A3s because they're fundamentally, they've chosen to, to either fundamentally implement lean as part of their corporate culture or as part of their construction methods and, and approach to delivering a project. So those two markets have seen the most growth. And I would say that as you might expect, it's something that as owners see it and they kind of see the benefit to doing it in terms of ease of reviewing proposals and simplicity and conciseness, they start to adopt it more and more. So I haven't ever known anybody who's tried it and not stayed with it but it is so different that it's not like it's sweeping the nation. Got it. Okay. I mean, that makes sense because I, full disclosure, I've never worked on an A3 proposal. I've seen them done, but I'm primarily aligned with water. So the fact that it's in healthcare and higher ed sort of makes sense as to why I wouldn't have seen it. Sure. So my next question is if these clients are, adopting the A3 layout for proposals, are they also adopting it for their own RFPs? Well, they um, there certainly are if I can get my hands on them because right. the, the concept here is to be concise, provide only the information that is germane to making that decision or presenting qualifications or you know presenting a proposal and so I kind of throw it back at them and say, if you're going to talk the talk, you need to walk the walk. Sure. And to put out a five-page RFP asking for a ton of information that they're never going to read and that they really don't need to make their decision, in, even if it's on eight and a half by 11-inch paper, sort of is flying in the face of what they're asking us to do then and putting a response on an A3 where the A3 really requires equal parts of 
very strategic thinking and really good graphic design. So as far as I'm concerned, they should walk the walk and they should put their RFP in an A3 format so that they have clarity and conciseness in what they're asking for. Yep, that makes sense. So then how has putting together A3 proposals or A3 layouts changed the pursuit dynamic? Do they require new or different resources from a typical response or what does that process look like? Well, first couple of them that you do really are tough okay. <laughs> and, they're, and they're pretty painful and, they're, and the pain points come in a couple of places. On the technical side, a lot of technical folks, project managers, project executives, designers, you know, construction superintendents, they're accustomed to the traditional process of taking a look at a, an opportunity and having the marketing department pull their resumes, their relevant projects. They maybe have a project approach that they start with, that they then edit to customize to the specific project. Mm-hmm. But really, they're tweaking up what they believe to be sort of the best that they already have that's developed. And the worst side, the word is boilerplate. You know, you can call it a template. You can call it tried and true, proven excellence. But fundamentally, those folks are used to someone else assembling information that already exists so they can sort of swoop in and customize something that already exists and make it applicable. Right. The problem comes in with the A3 is when you tell a technical person, say a project manager, that their three-page project approach that they just want to edit and get back needs to now be conveyed in a space the size of a three by five index card. Sure. And they all say, no way, no way. There's no way I can possibly do that. It won't work for this project. And really, when you start to unpack that for them and you say, listen, you know, all that other noise that's in your project approach, it's in the project approach of every other firm you're competing against. The owners don't care. They don't want to sift through it. They don't enjoy reading those 20 and 30 page proposals any more than we enjoy putting them together. So why don't you just summarize the key points of how you're going to deliver this project, whether it's a design assignment or a construction assignment, and be concise, demonstrate your knowledge and expertise, choose your words carefully, and really boil it down to exactly how you're going to accomplish this based on what you know they want to see. Right. So it does require a level of strategic thinking and really diving into a project and not allowing, well, this is another school project or this is another XYZ project. So use that project approach. It really requires more specific thinking about that pursuit. So then on the the design side, Many times you may have proposal coordinators who are accustomed to assembling those templates, those boilerplate pieces of information, and they may not, frankly, have very strong graphic design skills. They may know in design, they may be kind of changing things up within a firm's graphic design standards, but they're not maybe well-versed in developing custom infographics or 
charts or graphs or taking information that would otherwise be narrative and converting it into some sort of a graphic representation. So the two sides of that, you know, the, the strategic thinking and the really special graphic design are sometimes problematic for firms because a marketing department may not have a graphic designer. They, they may simply have document production people who happen to know InDesign and can swap out photos or swap out some design elements, but they're not really doing the kind of custom artwork and graphic design that you would see in marketing pieces or brochures that maybe that company normally outsources. Right. So then in that case, you would have to pull someone in. Potentially. Yeah, potentially. Because if you think about the way we as consumers consume information to make a decision, you think about the mail that you get even at home, things are concisely formatted in brochures, in postcards, in flyers, the magazines, if you still read hard copy of a magazine, there's headlines, they're very graphic, they have call out boxes, they summarize information from the text that might be next to it in bullets or, or in some sort of an infographic, so that it's very skimmable and very easy to read. And those are not generally things that are in a traditional AEC proposal. So we, we sort of have this archaic volume that we produce at the request of you know, those Neanderthal knuckle-dragging owners who haven't yet seen the light of, of A3s or really thought about what they need to make a decision. And we're putting together these books and we're not really presenting information about our firms and our qualifications and our experience like we would normally see it in any other context of our life. Right. That's such a good point. Have you had the opportunity to talk with the owners and see what this is like from their perspective? Has it made their decision process easier or what's their general feedback? I would imagine they love it because they don't have to go through, like you said, books of information. They do, they do love it because, you know, for us to develop a 20 or 30 page proposal, sometimes when we think about it, we think about that poor owner that maybe has 25 of those 20 or 30 page proposals to read. And, and if, if you've ever put together a proposal, at some point you shake your head and you say, they're never going to read all this. There's no way they're going to read all this. And so guess what? They don't. And they're looking for reasons to differentiate between firms. And they're looking for ways to find what they're looking for to make a decision. So go back to my you know, comments about the lean principles. If you can boil down the information that they need to make a decision, keeping in mind they're fundamentally risk averse. So you really need to present information that says, I know what I'm doing. I'm not gonna make you look bad. We're gonna get this done the way you want it to get done and everybody's gonna win. And if you can do that concisely, why wouldn't an owner love that? Because they can move on then. They have more on their plate. They have more to do. They don't have any, they don't have time to be looking through 
the, you know, the data dump of information that we would normally include in a traditional proposal, while they're searching for the, the real differentiators that say, this company understands this project and they can deliver it. So, you know, the other thing that we're seeing when owners talk about this process is that many times selection committees are not necessarily people who are extremely well-versed in capital project development. So you're having, if it's higher ed, you may have staff, faculty, students, it could be subject matter experts. So if you're doing a science building or a library, you've got librarians and researchers and scientists, you know, they may have never built a capital project. They may have not even built anything at their home. So this whole process is new to them. And imagine when they're faced with a pile of 25 proposals that are 20 or 30 pages long, how overwhelming it feels. And so what are they gonna do? They're gonna flip to that section that they know. They're gonna, they're gonna go to the relevant experience or some section where they can feel that they can make a difference because of what they know. But if you can create on an A3 information that's developed to be more concise and specific, and easily skimmable and understood with infographics and other techniques that we're seeing in our daily lives all over the place, then it's gotta be a lot less intimidating for those non-technical people to be doing those kind of reviews and to understand the information. Because the jargon and the huge narratives of those paragraphs that we've all seen that like, go on for half a page and they say nothing, like there's no real meat in them. So I think that's what we're hearing. We're hearing owners like it. There are some lessons learned. There are some best practices that owners are starting to understand and incorporate. I have seen some RFPs from owners requiring A3 proposals that I feel they've really just asked for the traditional proposal and an A3, which is like take two knives and stab me in the heart. (laughs) (laughs) Now you've got, you know, at least twice as much effort. So I think owners need to come along and and start to understand their role in this equation and simplify their thinking and make sure that they're understanding the best practices in this process that make it smooth on their side. But really the ones who are doing it, who get it, they really have nothing but positives to say about it. Now, do you see this expanding beyond the healthcare and higher ed sectors? Like, do you see this as a natural transition for owners? Or is this going to be one of those things where it's going to require like a full agency or industry shift for an owner to come around to like the lean philosophy and adopting this? Well, I think it's a great question. I think what we're seen is that the the format itself and the process can be applied to any industry. It really can. There's there's nothing that doesn't work, both on the design and construction side. So I've now seen RFPs and A3 proposals for every architectural engineering discipline, general contracting, construction manager at risk, owner's representation, like the full gamut. Right. And it works. 
So, so there isn't a problem of it being able to work. I think one of the areas that we get a lot of questions and pushback is on the public sector side and mm -hmm. that there might be legislative or regulatory reasons why certain pieces of information are requested in an RFP and they just have to ask for this information. So there's this perception that, well, we have to ask for that, which of course the answer is, well, not if you change the laws or not if you change the policies, but of course that's gonna take time and advocacy and, and that is probably a shift that's much slower to happen. So I think what we are seeing though is that there might be an opportunity for the use of the A3 as a decision-making tool or as a project monitoring or management tool. So many of the owners who now use it for professional selections have already adopted it as a way to monitor the progress of a project, whether it's on a weekly basis, a monthly basis, reports to authorizing bodies. So you started to see that early on as a great way to kind of give a snapshot of a project or of a capital plan in easy to understand terminology and in a, in a graphically, aesthetically appealing way. So I think owners that start to see that and see how you can have complex information presented concisely may start to change even some of those public sector owners into understanding that there might be a better way to do this. If you've been around as long as I have, you remember when the SF-330 hit, when, when the federal government decided they were gonna move to that SF-330 from the 254, 255. And that freaked everybody out because of that matrix. You know, the crazy matrix where you have to crosswalk the projects and the people so that at a glance, they can see if you are proposing relevant experience and a project team that have actually delivered what you're pursuing and what you're presenting as your qualifications. And we all scurried. We all scurried to do that because that was one of the first times that you couldn't just kill them with a bunch of paper and put in 25 projects that were somewhat <laughs> applicable and a whole bunch of team members. And you never really had to crosswalk that experience to say, yes, this team has done what you want and this is our proof that we can do it. So I think you saw that with that SF-330. So I have hope. I have hope that the public sector owners who kind of stand, who, who hide behind the, well, we have rules and regulations and requirements for what we have to ask for can get on board and get with the program. But the, the owners, I think, who adopted it, the, the institutional owners of healthcare and higher ed did it because they fundamentally adopted the lean principles first. Got so it. That's a question of what, what could lean bring to, in your case, water, wastewater, transportation. I mean, there's, there's you know, all of the vertical and the horizontal markets in our industry could benefit from using lean principles. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So I guess along that vein, have you run across consulting firms that deliver A3 proposals even when they're not asked for it? Or does that request truly have to come from the owner? So I get this question a lot when I'm presenting 
a webinar on, on how to do these. And my answer, and the question is generally, should we submit right. if it hasn't been asked for? And my answer is generally probably not. Because unless you really know the owner and you know that that owner is going to see something different and have an aha moment, an epiphany of, this is amazing, you know, I'm never going back to the old way, then chances are likely that, you know, you shouldn't submit because it's too unfamiliar. So what I counsel firms to do is a couple of different strategies. Number one, if there's a, if there's a, if you're a good relationship with the owner, maybe show them an A3 proposal, maybe even show them, here's the RFP, here's the proposal, look what can be done and start to look like a hero because you're providing them with sort of a best practice, cool idea in the industry and give them the copies and let them look at it and think about it. The second thing I recommend is to do that traditional horrible 20 to 30 page proposal for the Neanderthal knuckle dragging owner, but maybe in lieu of a cover letter or the firm profile, do an A3 that summarizes the proposal. And the way I, I show this in the webinar is to do it in what we typically would call a Z fold. So you would take that 11 by 17, put a Z fold into it so that it fundamentally becomes the size of an eight and a half by 11 inch piece of paper. And as most of us know in this industry, you know, when you've got that page in there and you've got the Z fold, your thumb kind of catches on it. This is different. This doesn't feel like the same kind of page. And so what do you do? You open it up. And then generally speaking, it's a project schedule done in Microsoft Project or it's an org chart. You kind of fold it up and like, yeah, that's nice. And you put it away. But imagine if you differentiated yourself by putting in an A3 as a summary of all those pages that follow. So that at a glance in a well-designed, specifically curated piece of paper, you could summarize the key points that that person needs to make a decision about your firm. And I think that's the better way to do it because you're sort of presenting yourself as you've got this new technique, you're able to put it all into concise thinking, it looks great, makes it really fast to be able to get the gist of what you're trying to get across in your proposal but you're not non-compliant with the RFP. Right. That makes perfect sense. And that would be a much better way to, especially if you still have to prepare that 20, 30, God knows how many pages proposal, right. at least you get your team thinking strategically because you're going to be preparing a, a piece like that up front anyway. So that's a really good idea. That's all the questions I have for you. Do you have anything that you wanted to add? I think that you know, for your audience, it, not a shameless plug, but sometimes, as we said, a picture is worth a thousand words. So I would encourage anybody who's kind of thinking or scratching their head, like, How, what does this look like? What is she talking about? You know, it's a, it's a shameless plug for my website at stacyandassociates.com. And, and I would say there might be a zillion other websites. There's thankfully not a zillion other websites that have these out there, but 
you can download some from my website to kind of look at the mechanics and, and see how information would be presented. And it gives a good sense of what project sheets convert into and what resumes can convert into and how this would potentially work. So again, Stacey, S-T-A-C-E-Y-A-N-D, associates, stacyandassociates.com for some samples. And some of them are generic samples because as you might expect, this is some firms perceive that this is intellectual property. And so I can't put dozens and dozens of samples from firms that we've done them for up there for people to take a look at just for their competitive advantage. But there are some in particular that were done more as a response to an RFQ. So it's more of a qualifications piece than a project proposal. And, and you can find those there because I know there's probably people saying, I don't get it. What does this thing look like? Right. Yeah. And so I guess if our listeners want to get in touch with you, it would be your website or should Certainly. I also direct them to your LinkedIn? Sure. Sure. Okay. Or my phone number is fine to uh, 814-934-7000. And we've got a team of folks, myself included, who can chat with a firm that might be thinking about it or an owner. If you think there's an owner out there who might benefit from this and who hates proposals as much as you do, definitely, <laughs> um, you know, give me their name and number. I'm happy to call and say you've been anonymously tapped as a, an innovator with an open mind to do things better. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. This is a new concept for me, and I'm sure it is for many others listening. So I really appreciate you laying this out. Certainly. I'm very, very appreciative that you gave me the opportunity to share this with with more, more people. All right, Marketeers, that's a wrap on this week's episode of the AEC Marketeer podcast. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Anne and all about A3 proposals. If you're enjoying this podcast, I invite you to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. New episodes are released every other Wednesday. Chat soon.